and it's episode 83 of the Cherokee Rewind. Thanks a lot for tuning in again. As always, we appreciate it. Never take it for granted. I am Mick. This time around, we're going to go back to 2007-2008, and we're going to talk with a guy who, um, I guess, probably, I would like, if I remember correctly, I believe he was more of a defensive forward, uh, a guy who was uh, who worked his butt off. I mean, really worked his butt off. And I just, uh, I really grew to appreciate and like that guy back then. He went on to play at Miami of Ohio University uh, and play hockey there. Um, this guy, just, uh, you want to talk about a, a, just a genuine success story because of his work ethic. Uh, this guy fits that bill. And he goes by the name of Andrew Helt, and we, I'll, I always call him Helty. Uh, and uh, and Helty, be uh, of all welcome, and thanks for doing this. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, Mick. Hey, no sweat. And the other thing is, I always try to remember. Uh, usually, that means guess uh, the jersey number you wore. When you were in Toledo, and oh man, I'm was it nineteen? Yep, nineteen. Wow, I, I pulled and, that one. I pulled that, and I don't do. I don't look stuff up to you know try and cheat and get an edge on stuff. I I do this solely from memory. I genuinely do. And that was that was not by choice. Uh, I was know? actually one of the last guys, the last guys taken that year, and I wanted twenty-two, but Scotty Eberlein already had that, and then I wanted eleven, and. Somebody else, David Mayville, maybe already has that. And 19 was one of the last numbers there. So I had never won it my whole life, but worked out well for me that year. Yeah, so you get 19 in there. And, uh, well, there's some pretty good guys that wore 19. You know, I mean, Steve Eiserman, uh, Joe Sackick, uh, you know, just, just a few, just name a couple. But uh, so you couldn't do too, too bad. No, was, you know, if there's going to be a last 50 number left, it was better 19 than 28 or, or, five. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that, that always irked me. I don't know why. I know there are guys that have done it, and that's fine. But I was never a fan of uh, forwards who wore – single-digit numbers below seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't see, you don't see many of them, even though Brent Bain may have done it for us that year. Who did? Brent Brent Bain, I think. I think he wore five. Maybe not. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but uh, anywho, yeah, yeah, he was he was pretty okay. But uh, yeah, still, yeah. It, it's just it's just one of those little weird things with me. I don't know what it is, but anyway, uh, so let's let's get things going here with uh, when you first started the, playing the game. Uh, how old were you when you first put on a pair of skates, and and who introduced you to the game? So for me, it was uh, my uncle. Uh, my family um, actually didn't grow up playing hockey at all, and then I have an uncle that's nine years older than me that I kind of looked up to as a big brother 
and his his friends started playing when he was in high school, and I said, I want to do that too. So I started playing roller hockey uh, at the old Central Arena over on Central in Holland, Slovenia. It's now LA Fitness, I think. Uh, and then put on ice skates for the first time around the age of seven. And just fell in love. It was all hockey after that. That was all she wrote. Every other sport, forget it. Yeah, I played baseball through high school, but anytime there was a conflict, it was always going to hockey, no matter what it was, even if it was a spring game. Mm-hmm. And playing baseball, I always defaulted to hockey. Okay. Now, um, was it originally just organized right out of the bat, or did you um, uh, did you go do any kind of learn to skate at all? Uh did the instructional program IP at Tamo. Um and that, that was kind of the learn skate. I don't think we played any games really or anything like that. More small stations. You know, a lot of the small area stuff like you see now with USA hockey. Um and right into that it was hockey for a couple of years, played all star and didn't start playing travel till uh second year of Pee Wee. Wow. Okay. So, um, who were your coaches back then when you first started with, uh, with IP? So I remember, I remember a few, I know my dad helped out a bit, even though he had never done hockey his whole life. Uh, I know the Jeroses, Ken Jeroses and Becky Jeroses, uh, uh, husband and wife tandem were out there. Um, but I'll give a quick shout out to my dad in uh in lieu of Father's Day being last weekend. Uh my dad never played hockey his whole life, never did anything, and then when me and my younger sister got started, he dove in and got all his coaching certificates, learned to skate, learned to play the game and uh you know, he's been reffing the last probably decade and stuff. So uh in terms of parental support Having never done anything with the game, he really jumped in, and uh, I think that was a big, a big factor in my playing career throughout the years. Okay. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that's pretty impressive to to be, you know, a total novice, and even you know, just not really knowing the nuances of the game, and taking the game up because you guys were playing around it. And next thing you know, he goes all in. That's pretty impressive uh, <clears throat> to do that and to do it for as long as he's roughing and everything. My goodness. Um, now, when you made the jump to travel, uh, or do you remember being nervous or anything as far as, you know, you guys are going to be playing some, some uh, probably uh, higher level teams? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a step up. Um, I had tried out the year before and been one of the last cuts as a defenseman. Um, and the next year, they moved me up to forward that second year of Pee Wee uh, with Bill Hendel uh, and Phil Gross as the coaches. Um, 
But for me, it, you know, it wasn't so much the games that I was nervous about. It was the jumping onto a new team. You know, I knew, I think, maybe one other person on the team. Um, so just going into a room of kids where 90% of them played together the year before, and then I was a new kid starting on the third line. I think that was more nerve-wracking for me, just hopping into that squad. So... Um... My goodness. Uh, so was it all teams from around like here and in Detroit or was it uh, like full blown travel all over the place? Uh, so it was, it was a little Caesars league out of Detroit. So I think most of our games were Michigan. Um, I remember we a huge rivalry with Gross Point Spartans. We played them eight times in a year and it was a one goal game every single time. Wow. Um, so that, you know, that made it a lot of fun, right? We hated them. They hated us, but we were two very, very evenly matched teams and little breaks could go either way. Um, but yeah, it was mostly out of Michigan, uh, but we did do some travel. Chicago, uh, was mostly other city. We didn't go too much further than that, honestly. Okay. Um, was, uh, was it difficult at all? I mean, I'm sure it probably was a lot harder on the folks, but um, uh, was it difficult at all considering, you know, uh, schoolwork and getting home from weekend tournaments and stuff and then having to turn around and go right back to school? Uh, that part, that part wasn't too bad for me. Um, I've actually, I found that playing hockey normally helped my schooling. Um, I took a semester off my first year of college and didn't play hockey the first semester at Miami and my grades actually went down and I was, I was more lazy. So I think just having that time management of, you know, Hey, I need to get this done so I can skip school on Friday to go to hockey or, you know, I need to get this done because I have a game Sunday night and I'm not going to have time. Um, I actually think that made it, that for me, that made it easier with school. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, some people are like that, you know, they're able to compartmentalize everything. And as long as they're able to do that, they're able to move forward. And that's exactly what you did. Um, now when you played, as you got older and the competition got a little bit more tense, um, where did you play next uh, after, you know, that first year uh, out of Little Caesars? So, so, uh, so second year PB and then uh, through first year band, I pretty much stuck with the same team. Um, we played out of the Little Caesars League. Uh, and then after that, I went to, to high school, St. John's, um, no. and I played three years there. Yeah, oh, no, sorry, Mick. no, you're fine. Just uh, I just wanted to ask you real quick, when you were in Little Caesars there, what arena did you play out of? So we played out of Tamo. Um, all our home games were out of Tamo. Um, and you know, the nice part of being in that area, you know, I'm in Cincinnati now, so travel hockey is a whole lot different. But the nice part in Toledo is that there's so many teams in the Detroit area that 
you can find games where you don't really have to drive that far. You're driving an hour tops, and you can play 20 different teams that are all within three goals of each other. Um, so that was a huge benefit of playing in that little Caesars League. We really didn't have to travel much. Okay. Now, you said you went on to play high school at St. John's. Um, what was that like uh, when you went in there as a freshman? So it, it, it was a bit, it was a bit of an adjustment. You know, I've never been, I've never been big, uh, but I've always been pretty average size. And then you, you go in, you're young, you're, you're 14, 15, and you got 18 year olds there. Um, so for, for me, I kind of had to adjust my game. Uh, I think that's when my hockey sense more came into play, just dealing with the bigger bodies, moving the puck a little quicker, um, focusing more on positioning. Uh, and I think that, that helped me out as, as I got older as well, where the habits kind of stuck with me. And then I grew into my body a bit more and got faster and stronger. And then um, that kind of made me a better player overall, a more well-rounded player. Who are your coach? Who was your coach when you played at St. John's? Uh, so there's Mike Hayes, Mark Rasmus, and Jason Sengowski. Okay. Um, now, uh, what was, I mean, was that like uh, a big uh, jump? I mean, as far as for your uh, skill set when you wanted to play high school versus when you were uh, at uh, travel at Little Caesars through Bantam? So I, I think the it wasn't that jump. Um, but it was more, I started hanging out more with, uh, Ryan Sell, another former Cherokee alumni. Um, you know, where we really became friends and, you know, we were, we were going out to the barn on his farm and we'd shoot pucks and then, you know, we'd wake up and we'd go drop it and then we'd go back and we'd shoot more pucks and do, uh, Fly metrics and work on our speed, and just having another friend that was able to commit like that and enjoy doing that with me. Um, I noticed a big gap between junior and senior year of high school where we really focus on the plyometrics, and that's where I improved my speed a lot. And um, I think that changed a lot in how I played the game. Mm. Okay. So, uh, Tell me about when you first uh, started in, in high school. Uh, did, were you got uh, were you uh, always a center or were, did you play wing at all? Or so yeah, so I started out as as a as a winger my sophomore year. Um, you know, we had some older seniors that had been playing center their whole time, and then uh, junior year I switched to center. Um, you know, like like you said in the intro, I've always been more more defensively minded, and I hate getting scored on so much. I hate it. I hate giving up goals, um, and that kind of fits in well with the center's role, being that support system um, for the D, and being kind of that two-way player. Um, so that's when I made the jump to center, and after that, I was a center ever since through Cherokee through college. Now, um, 
so what was what were those teams like in in, in St. John's? Were they good teams? Uh, did you have uh, a rough road there, or uh, what was the what was the hockey like then? So yeah, you had a mix. Um, you know, St. John's, St. Francis, uh, Northview were always pretty good depending on the year. Northview had guys like Payne, Herschel, Lavoie, uh, Sanisu. Uh, St. Francis had Higgins and Adonai, who played Cherokee for a bit. Um, you know, a lot of guys from those three teams make their way through the Cherokee ranks. Um, but there were some less experienced teams uh, that, that could be blowouts. So they kind of had a mix, but it made those games against the big three more fun, you know, more important. You you knew you had to get up for for the Northview and St. Francis games. And then Cleveland was kind of the same way. We'd play the Cleveland teams a lot, the Padua, Ignatius, St. Ed's. Um, so I think Cleveland for those tournaments were a lot of fun too. That skill level was the same, or even in early in my high school career, we were we were high on the lower end of good teams, um, so we were always challenged. And then uh, senior year, you know, we kind of took a step forward. We had a really good squad. We had a team that really believed in, and we did actually win the state senior year. What was that um, like, man? We, Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, so I I actually debated that year if I should try to play junior or stick around for high school, um, just because of you know there was a talent increase going to junior. Um, you know, you're a young kid, you're trying to play in college somewhere. Uh, so junior is that next natural step. But I, I think that year as a senior and being a leader on the team and a captain and being able to win state, uh, it, it was invaluable. Um, it was a huge learning experience for me as a captain to kind of develop my leadership abilities um, and then just to have the opportunity to, to get to play it nationwide yeah. Um, for the championship game, have around 4,500 people there, and the game was on BCSN. It was on TV stations in Cleveland, and um, just to have an experience with that group of guys was, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was that was also another big part of my development. Well, who were some of the guys you played with back then uh, for that championship team? Because, I mean, those are guys you're going to remember and probably stay tight with forever. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, Mike Callum, who's a good friend of mine. I actually just got back from Utah visiting him. He was on the team. Uh, Danny Johnson, Cam Howenstein were guys that I grew up playing travel with. Um, there's another one, Eli Riddle, that came in as a freshman that year and actually played with us before moving on to junior. Um so I'm not still in touch with, with a lot of the guys, but some of those guys, especially the seniors on that team. Um, yeah, winning a championship mm -hmm. makes you a pretty tight-knit group. Yeah, they are, and you never forget. You never forget it. Once you get that ring, you, you never forget. Um, now, you decided after that to make the jump to junior. Um, what went into making the decision to try for Toledo? 
as opposed to going somewhere away from home? Uh, it, it just seemed like an easy decision. Um, you know, being able to, to live at home, and I had a job at, at TAMO. Um, so, you know, I had a job already. I was able to live at home. It was kind of the cheaper way to do low-level juniors. Um, I do sometimes regret that, you know, because I definitely didn't have the full junior experience that, you know, some of the other guys on our team that were coming from Florida or Fort Wayne building had. Um, so, you know, there's times where I feel like I missed out a little bit of the junior experience. But at the same time, you know, I'm the oldest of four siblings. So I got to be at home and watch them grow up. I had a good job. I got to be around my grandparents and my family. They all got to watch me play for another year. Um, so it wasn't a bad decision to stick with Toledo either. I was going to say, and the other thing too, is that you don't discover it until you actually go through it. But some guys, they're no problem billeting. They, you know, they're, they're used to it and they're fine. But I've come across players that they're like, oh, it shouldn't be a big deal, no big deal. And then they bill it and they grow homesick and didn't know they would. They just, they, they just, you know, they just do. And that's okay too. I mean, if that's, you know, how it is, but I'm just saying, um, I, I, I've always been a believer that you will always, you know, you'll thrive in whatever decisions you make. You can thrive in the conditions you're in if you want. And that's the one thing I remember about you. And, you know, uh, you were always uh, someone that worked hard, wasn't afraid of it, embraced it. And I think it, it, it suited you really, you fit in nicely with, uh, with that group because of, uh, you know, I mean, working with Punk and Tarsh, I mean, that, that that's always a, that's always a, a party in itself. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, 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 let me ask you: Did you, when you went to juniors that first year, that year in '07, do you remember any? If were there any guys that you remember playing either with or against from high school that you saw at the junior camp? Uh, that, that I saw at the junior camp. Yeah. If you Sorry. saw him at the junior camp or the, that you ended up getting to play with, with TC or. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, Brent Bain was that same year. He was a rookie with me that year. Um, he played at Northview the year before against me. Um, Andrew Cold was there as well. He played at Central Catholic another rookie with me uh later on in the year we picked up tim hurst uh probably about christmas time um so another northview guy and there were other guys sprinkled in you know i mentioned zach only from st francis earlier um he didn't end up playing that year but he was at the camp um so there's a, there a decently strong high school hockey influence on that team that year you know, and the thing is, is that that's hard because uh, Northwest Ohio 
was just starting to get guys that were able to play high school that could make the jump to junior right around that time. Because up until then, and especially prior to then, uh, the guys that played high school, uh, they didn't always transition well into playing travel and like juniors at the junior level. They had, they, they were, uh, they didn't, they were, they were studs in high school. You know, they could hot dog with the puck and whatnot, but they could not, uh, they had a tough time making the jump when it came to playing junior hockey. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's a whole different story, you know, when you're playing in front of your, you know, your buddies and stuff in high school. And then, you know, you're in junior, you're playing in front of maybe a little bit of family, uh, maybe a few scouts, but that's it, you know, and it's not a, you don't always uh, play in front of the, the crowds you do in high school. But on the other hand, you're also not playing against guys who are, you know, traded or, or got sent home, uh, you know, that type of thing. And it's, uh, it's not an easy, it's not always an easy thing. Uh, how much, uh, how much of a difficult transition did you feel you had or didn't have when you went, uh, to play for Toledo that year after winning a state title with St. John's. So, yeah. So, I mean, for me being a, a, a lower end of the roster guy, you know, I bounced between third and fourth line all year that year. Um, I mean, the biggest adjustment was just, you know, the fact that the roster size is bigger than the number of guys that can draft. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I played the first game against Chicago and played all right, but I set the second game against Peoria. So just having that influence right away of just being like, you know, oh, man, one wrong step, and I'm just going to be sitting in the stands tracking shots and hits. You know, lights fire onto you pretty early in the season. Um, and then any given week, we just have – you know, three random guys show up for practice or random kids show up and, you know, the coaches would be looking at him as a potential to just take your spot. And, uh, you know, that, that was probably the biggest difference, right? High school hockey, you have your team, you have your 15, 18 guys, whatever it is, and that's it. You know, you might play a little more game, you might play a little less in a game, but, but that's it, right? Or, junior you could sit in the stands for five games they bring in a new kid for practice he's better than you all of a sudden you're on waivers hoping to find a different team and that kid has your spot um so yeah that was that was the the biggest adjustment for me was just ha always having that pressure of, like i need to be on top of it or my career is done now um so you know uh Tell me about what it was like, though, in that early, early part from your from your standpoint of um, did it take a while for you to adjust to the junior level of playing, uh, not just in terms of uh, being motivated because you wanted to play and make the dress list, but I mean, also just from the idea of 
wow, this is a little bit faster than high school. Uh, this is, you know, the, uh, a lot more physical, et cetera. Were there those type of things that went into your mind as far as when you first played in Toledo? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll play a little game, Nick. How many games into the year that year do you think it took me to score my first goal? I'd say if I, I honestly don't know, but I'm going to guess. And I'm going to say maybe three. 31. 31. I did not score my first goal. I did not score my first goal that year to the third, first game. I think Grand Rapids, when they were the worst team in the league, they had one win all year. And Dunk told me to just. Close your eyes and shoot the puck. And eventually we had a rush and we were up eight nothing at the time. <laughs> and I came down on a two on one and just closed my eyes and put it on the net and went in. And then after that, I scored a couple games in a row. But um, I, I think offensively, you know, case in 31 games to get your first junior goal. Uh, offensively was the biggest challenge for me, just, um, you know, from high school being the top line guy scoring more than a point per game and then coming to junior and waiting 31 games to score your first goal where space is a little tighter, um, you know, defensemen are smarter, more well positioned, everybody's as fast as you. Um, you know, it's tougher to create those opportunities. And then along with the playing time, you know, being last, being out on a power play, um, offensively was definitely my biggest adjustment. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny. I would have never guessed that. Um, not 31. I, I thought maybe, you know, when you dressed like for your third or fourth game, maybe you got lucky on one. But, you know, you said it was against Grand Rapids and it was the – the, uh, they only had one win that year, you said? Yeah, Grand Rapids was terrible that year. I don't know. I I don't even remember who they had, but uh, I remember, I'm pretty sure they legitimately had one win that year. And yeah. every time we put every time we played them, I think they had double digit goals. Yeah. Well, I can tell you who I I, re, I remember that year. Then I couldn't remember the year. But this will make you smile. Do you know the team that they beat that year? Was it was it St. Louis when they were really good? Yes. And here's the okay, point, yeah. here's the best part of it. That was St. Louis's only loss all year. They went the re the rest of the time they won every game all the way through and winning the national championship. Yep. And they their yep. only loss was to a team that. Well, that was their only win. <laughs> so that tells you how how funny a game how funny a game hockey can be. It's yeah, it's it's pretty wacky sometimes. But uh, you know, it's I mean, uh, I I don't know what. Uh, well, first off, tell me what it was like. Uh, who were your line mates, if you remember? when you played in Toledo? So, so it kind of rotated around 
um, a little bit, but the one I remember most was Andrew Connor. Um, pretty pretty early on into junior, I kind of realized I was going to be lower end of the depth chart, so I I tried to focus more on my on the defensive aspect of my game and really tried to pride myself on penalty kill and just not getting scored on ever and doing the little things to, to be successful on the kill. And um, me and Andrew Connor, you know, after the first month or so, every time we took a penalty, we were the first ones out. You know, Dunk would just pass over the boards and we'd start the kill. And um, so he, he's the one that I probably played with the most. Um, and for a while there, I played with Ryan Sexsmith a bit. We were kind of on a shutdown line once I found my groove defensively. Uh, Cleveland was good that year. Uh, I think I think his name was Freeman or Freeman. Mm-hmm. Andrew Freeman made he had like 106 points that year or something. So uh, I got put in a defensive kind of shutdown role there and was just hopping over the boards every time he was on the ice. But other than that, honestly, it, it rotated a lot with guys in and out of the lineup. Played with Pig a bit, Pagula, who's uh, still one of my best friends to this day. Um, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of rotation on the on the bottom lines. Yep, yep. No, no, Adam Pagula, that guy cracked me up. Um, he just he was your he was a a tough kid. Just okay. Yeah, yeah. Pig was something else, man. He, uh, he was a like I said just a second ago. He's a tough kid. Uh, just uh, cracked me up. He had a big heart, you know. Uh, he we had to work. He worked really hard on his skating, but man, that that kid, he he worked so hard and and. Uh, uh, just like I said, he was just one of those kids. He was a good character guy. He wasn't he wasn't the uh, the first line guy there. But the thing is, he wasn't afraid to do anything for his to back up his team. You know, whether he was playing, you know, as a tough guy to protect the top guy, or be the uh, you know on the fourth line or on the penalty kill or whatever it took, he was willing to do it and. You know, guys like that, you know, they don't get all the numbers in the, in the stat sheet, but they are usually the guys that uh, that the guys, the teammates all gravitate to, you know, as far as, you know, that's that's my brother. You know, that's my that's one of my buds, you know, and, and they usually end up staying friends years after the fact because they know what kind of good character people they are. And Adam Pagula, one of those guys. And I, I think you summed it up perfectly. And uh, you know, I, uh, I had chosen my locker uh, back at the ice house, and he just he came in late and sat down next to me and said, "Hey, what's up? I'm Pig," and we ended up being sitting next to each other all year, even when we were on the road. Um, and then uh, that year, um, Jay Fravor. Good old Mo. He got called up 
Yeah, good old Mo. He got called up to Port Huron. Uh, I think they were in the IHL, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were in the playoffs. So anyway, so he left us in like Jan January. I was the only other one that knew how to sharpen skates in the locker room. Um, <clears throat> hotel rooms booked for the year, so Duncan Tarsh offered me that if I would sharpen skates for the team, which might not sound like much, but when you're normally sleeping in a room with three other dudes and now you can get two king size beds for you and a buddy, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> uh, so with that, Pig came with me and uh, we each got out of, you know, having to share a bed with somebody else and we each had our own king bed and normally a bigger room. Not a bad trade-off to sharpen skates. sharpening services. Oh, it was, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> so what was it like on the road when you played there? Uh, was there a lot of uh, uh, pranking or practical joking going on? Or what was it like what uh, you guys would uh, hit the road? Uh, it, you know, it depends where we were and how we were playing. Um, you know, I remember one time, uh, I didn't play this game, luckily. Uh, you know, I, was, I showed up late because I had a funeral that day, but we played in Dubuque and like 11 to 2. And um, went in the room after the game, and Dunk came in and said, Take your helmet off, take your skates off, take your gloves off, and don't take another thing off. Get on the bus now. And everybody that played that night had to just grab their bags, get on the bus and all their equipment, drive to Dubuque, and then take all their stuff off in the hotel. Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of pranking that night. But uh, for me, it was a lot of time with Pig, uh, Nick Yost, find a restaurant to go to and go out to eat and um, um, do stuff like that. And, you know, the, the four of us were pretty close. You know, we were always to the rink pretty early on practice days. So we had a lot of intense foosball games. So we tended to hang out on the road a lot together as well. Who was the best foosball player? It was not me, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, I think, I, I want to say it was Jack Goodell. Uh -huh. they, were, they were winning. It's not, well, Jack's a good dude. So, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's something else, man. But uh, now when, uh, who would you say was probably the funniest kid on the, on the team at that year? Uh, that that year, um, uh, Mark Farrell oh, gosh. was, you know, little guy, always just kind of running his mouth, always kind of starting shit. Um, that, had, that had to be because Farrell, uh, yeah, he was a piece of work, man. That dude, I, I mean, I loved him, absolutely loved him. He cracked me up. 
uh, he was uh, he was always and he and I always liked him because he was in the fine tradition of short hockey players who most teams wouldn't give the time of day, but when you give them the time of day, they make the most of it. And Farrell was like that. He wasn't afraid to go into corners. He played fearless because he knew he had to if he was going to make it, you know. And and you play, you know, that kind of fearless style as a little guy in the corners, in front of the net, getting hacked and whacked. But you did what you had to do because, you know, number one, you're trying to help your team win. But number two, you want to stay in the lineup. And that, that was feral to a T. And, you know, as I mentioned, he was always kind of running his mouth. So he was good at, at you know, kind of being a little pain in the butt. And, yep, pain in the butt. And like you said, he was always in the corner. He was always kind of there. So he was always kind of that thorn in your side. <laughs> I was happy he was on my team. Yeah. Uh, he he defined the I'll, I'll paraphrase it he defined the term crap disturber uh quite well <laughs> quite well but uh anyway so um now uh when you when you guys were there and stuff and you were playing how i mean what was the i mean was it pretty cool having all your family out there you know, being able, were they able to catch most of your games? Yeah. Um, it was, it was awesome. Um, earlier, there, there's some times where I think I missed out on the traditional junior experience, but there's some times where I realize I'm really lucky and, you know, my parents were at every home game. My grandparents were at every home game. Uh, I'd have aunts and uncles and siblings at various games and, uh, you know, that, that, that's something you miss out on if, if you go away or, you know, especially if you're going out West or, you know, even if I had played in Peoria or Dubuque or St. Louis that year, um, maybe they see me play when we're in Toledo, but. Um, I, you know, I consider myself lucky that section for pretty much every home game. Yep. And then of course, well, they got to listen to some babbling idiot, uh, scream like a schoolgirl when we, uh, we were on the road. So, <laughs> so at least, they, at least they had that too. So, but, um. I don't know. It just, uh, like I said, that, that those those years were crazy, but they were fun. Uh, never, never a dull moment. Um, now, uh, while you were playing that year, uh, what uh, were there any scouts looking at you or trying to, uh, you know, say, hey, man, we we think you could fit into our program? No, uh, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I'm probably going to be tough uh, for me to, to move up um, to the NA. Okay. You can teach anyone to be defensive if they put in the work. 
Um, so some guys that were scoring a lot more than me uh, got some looks. But um, for 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 that year, I don't. Um, I could have gone back to Cherokee again and maybe tried to take a, a but um, to move on and and go to Miami and was Miami always your first choice as far as where you wanted to go to school? Uh, it was one of my top two. Um, when I was young, I was I really wanted to go to Boston College and then. Uh, <laughs> I had a high school. I had a high school professor actually taught me like you should check out Providence College. Um, you know it'll be a similar atmosphere, but it's a lot cheaper. Um, and I was choosing between uh, Providence and Miami, and uh, Miami let me defer a year. So the year that I wanted to play the junior, I wanted to play Cherokee. Uh, I had actually already been accepted into Miami. And then after that year, if I would go to Miami, I wouldn't have to reapply. I wouldn't have to do anything. I would just have to say, hey, I'm coming. And I was good to go. Um, as well as just the campus. It's a beautiful campus, um, a lot of old architecture. Uh, a lot of beautiful trees, and um, that played a factor in it as well. Okay, so um, so Halti, you go over to Miami. Uh, do you go basically as a walk-on uh, when you went to play for uh, for Miami of Ohio? The 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 club program there is is very strong. Um, they typically have uh, 90 or so kids. At try out high school, junior, you know, all over the country. Um, um, I was studying computer engineering and didn't think I'd have time to play hockey so I actually didn't try out my freshman year and I just played intramurals and then uh, halfway through that year at the end of the first semester the, the club coach came up to me after an intramural game and he said hey did you try out for club okay good like I can't believe I would have cut you and then he said do you want to join the team now and um, so I went and played with them the rest of the year and then uh, played with them another four years after that. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Um, so uh, tell me what the, uh, the, the caliber of, of uh, you know, of who you guys played. What schools did you guys play when you were, you know, uh, there at Miami? Uh, so... College hockey's changed a lot recently with the addition of the Big Ten. 
Um, but if you remember the, the CCHA back in the day with Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Ferris State, um, we were essentially the same division just for club. So those were all the teams that we played. Uh, uh, we were always state. Um, and then there was Grand Valley State up out of the Grand Rapids area. Um, so those were good games. Um, Michigan, Ohio State, they could bounce back and forth between. But it's a lot of the old CCHA teams. Um, and then we, we traveled a lot more for club. It was a lot more like junior. Uh, you know, you go out to Maryland for a showcase. Um, some teams would go down to Florida, play Florida Gulf Coast. We're always pretty good. Um, you know, nationals one year were in Connecticut. Uh, so that was a pretty cool experience being able to travel that much. Hmm. That is cool. Uh, now, uh, my goodness, and you, uh, computer engineering is your degree, man. That had to be, you have to be pretty, not only, you know, uh, tech savvy, but just uh, smart flat out smart to be able to not let alone uh, get your degree in that, but also the fact that you're also playing hockey, uh, traveling, uh, doing all these, juggling these things just to get to that point where, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like uh, being a junior player in high school, you know, where you're, you know, you're uh, getting home from bus trips at three in the morning and you got to be at school in just a few hours. Uh, was it pretty much similar with uh, playing in Miami? There were a lot of times we'd miss Friday classes. You know, you get back from your bus trip from Ferris State, six, seven hour drive, you know, you play at 7 p.m. at night, so you're getting home at four or five in the morning and then you know you're trying to get homework done the next day or group projects done um you know group projects may have been the toughest part just trying to schedule with other people when when you were gone that much or getting home you know at four or five in the morning but um luckily we, we typically played just friday and saturday night mm -hmm. so we at least had one day to recover you know there weren't a whole lot of late night sunday bus trips where i was trying to get to 8 a.m class on monday mm. yeah but still the fact that you had to miss a lot of fridays yeah that that was tough um but uh we would get we would get at miami that they would give to all the athletes to give to our professors. Um, most professors were pretty good. And, um, you know, I, I learned pretty early on that uh, if you were proactive in your discussions and you showed a willingness to be like, hey, I can do that early, or I can turn it in a day early, like I just won't be at class tomorrow. Pretty much all the professors were like, okay, 
like that's fine don't worry about it and a lot of them would even be like you know don't worry about doing it early get it done after it's not a big deal mm-hmm. okay. a long way with the professors yeah that's that and that helps in the in the end it also helps you as far as being able to you know kind of breathe a sigh of relief that you can uh you got you, you get a little leeway there a little wiggle room to be able to get your stuff done mm-hmm. so now tell me about um you know you played uh you played four years there and you know well four years and change at miami of ohio um what was i mean did you run across any of the guys you played for or against in juniors yeah oh yeah um so nick yost went up and played at uh, umbc university maryland baltimore county um so we played against him a couple times uh, in college and then on my team uh chad carnahan played for queen city oh yeah 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 so him and i actually really really good friends um i still play men's league hockey with him every monday and tuesday night um hunter stenback came from michigan ice dogs um uh, mike Lebowitz, brendan ate a lot both from queen city were on the team at miami uh so i actually saw quite a few guys uh playing in the club ranks as well with with other teams okay so um so now you graduate from miami of ohio and it was what year did you graduate uh 2013 may of 2013. okay and so where does the andrew help story uh go from there what and what ended where you ended up in Cincinnati uh yeah so I got a job um out of school at a company called Makino um doing software development they make metal cutting machines um high-speed metal cutting machines they we sell our machines to companies like GE Boeing Honda, Harley, and then they make the parts for their equipment um, on our machines. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing software development for them um, since about a month after I got out of college. Um, Been in Cincinnati the whole time, started coaching right away. Um, I got lucky and uh, met a guy named Barrett Agat. Um, that was the captain for the Cyclones that had retired that same year. Yeah. Um, so we got linked up and we coached a couple of years together. I played hockey since I was young, you know, played through junior, had a whole ton of different coaches. And I think I learned more of those couple of years with him, my time combined. Mm. Um, so that was a that was a huge well let me ask you um 
Andrew, there's not is there even a, a, a junior hockey team now in Cleveland in Cincinnati rather? I don't know that there is, is there? No, so they, they got rid of them um maybe five years ago and they took the team to Dayton for a year. Because um, I know when, well, they. But I think they are bringing them back. Oh, are they? Now, are they going to bring them back in the three HL or are they look at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I know that the problem with Dayton is there's, I mean, there's really nowhere to play. Uh, that's a that's a, a smaller uh, size ice rink. Uh, by that I mean in terms of uh, stands. I mean they've got the little rink. I know that they've got a rink that I mean it may be. It, it, it's a couple hundred people max in uh, north, uh, just outside of Dayton, uh, over to the east. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what do you call? Uh, they tore down the Hera Arena, so that was the other option. And then, yep. you know, other than that, all they could do is go up to Hobart, up in Troy. But I, I don't even know who's what. Uh, I mean, it, it's like, I think it's like a standard contract. If you put a team in Troy, you have to name the team the Bruins. Uh, but uh, <laughs> true, man. I mean, every re- rendition of, of uh, or variation of, 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 of Troy hockey is the Bruins. And so it's like, okay. But no, I know uh, that uh, like the entire, in the 3HL, the entire like uh, Midwest or Great Lakes, whatever conference division, uh, North Division, whatever it was, left and went over to the USPHL, the United States Premier Hockey League, um, including Toledo. It was Toledo uh, at the time, Lansing, uh, the Metro Jets, the uh, trying to think of who else, Wooster, who used to be Cleveland. Um, the uh, Southern Tier Express, which is out of Jamestown, New York, um, Pittsburgh, all of those guys all left and went to the USPHL. And so that's what I was just wondering. I mean, I know there's that option. So I didn't know what Cincinnati was going to do as far as, are they still going to play out a sports plot, uh, sports plus? Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard is uh, they'll play out of Sports Plus. I did, I didn't hear what league, but I would be surprised if it wasn't the USPHL. I was gonna say just from a uh, travel, here are the uh, a travel right. You know, I mean, at least that loop it's a little more east, but there's, I mean, it's still within the old bus loop of the of, of the Queen City Steam the Cyclones, the Cobras, the Fury, whatever teams they were called at back then, uh, they still are in that same, mostly that same loop. I mean, with Toledo and, and Metro. Metro moved down from East Waterford. They play out of Frazier now. So it's a little closer. Um, but, uh, you know, you still got, you know, like I say, you've got Wooster, you've got Pittsburgh, Southern Tier, etc. Uh and you know you've got teams out of detroit uh you got i'm trying to remember i think fort wayne uh is in the loop now so it's i think it would benefit cincinnati it sounds like it'd be a little bit closer if uh, if they played 
in the USPHL. And the hockey's pretty good too. I mean, I, I, I've, you know, that's the other thing too, is that, you know, you think, okay, USPHL, well, it's a good option because these kids get recruited to go to school too. This is it's crazy to think about how many more teams there are now. Yeah. Like that year that I that year that I played, I think there was sixteen in the NA mm-hmm. and there was there was thirteen in the in the jungle. And now there's I I think there's close to thirty in the NA. Yeah. Well and Oh how many teams are in there. Yeah, and the thing is is that with in the NA, uh, especially with the three HL underneath it propping it in my opinion, propping it up. But uh, it's, um, uh, I mean, they'll throw a team anywhere. (laughs) If you let them, they'll throw a team anywhere. Uh, I mean, they've got, every time a pro, I can remember this Mm -hmm. one was yesterday. Every time a pro team would go under in a market, the North American League would be right there. Hey, we'll put a junior team in there. And it it works in some places, but most of the time it, it, just wasn't the same. They couldn't get the crowds, and it's because most people don't, uh, most people don't go to see junior. Uh, they don't, they don't know junior hockey. You know, if you're going, if you're, if you're a market out west, in places like Montana, Wyoming, you know, you out in that area, in the uh, America West loop, then yeah, that's gonna work wonder. But you go like to, you know. Uh, Texas, Arkansas, you know, even up here uh, in certain places, junior hockey isn't what they people want. You know, a shot in a beer crowd want uh, they want to go to you know, grab some beers and go with their buddies right. and watch the fights. You know, so I I don't know. It's just it's it like I said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You know, but anyhow, let's get back to talking to you about you for a second here before we wind her up. Uh, who would you say who uh, growing up, who were the players that you were a big fan of? Who did you admire? Uh, so, you know, being so close to Detroit, um, Chris Draper was someone that I really liked to watch just with his speed and uh, his face-off capability. And, you know, I think he had one year where he had like 50 points-ish with the Wings and won the Selkie. And, you know, that was a that was a big year. Um, and then offensively, Daniel Alfredson uh, up in Ottawa, just he was kind of all over, you know, power play, penalty kill, point-per-game guy carry the team on his back. Um, you know, he had the big curly uh, blonde afro early in, his, early in his career, and I always thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Craig Conroy was was the reason I wore 22 in high school. Um, not an overly flashy player, but just kind of always in the right spot. Good support player. Um kind of had more of a role that I took in junior in his game. Okay. Um, now, who would you say is probably uh, some of the uh, people that have 
influenced you the most, uh, either on the ice or off, or off the ice, you know? Uh, matter of fact, I'd probably gravitate that one more off the ice. Uh, who would you say are the people that have uh, impacted you and uh, influenced who you are, not only as a hockey player, but as, as, uh, as a person? So, so for me, it's definitely um, my parents, first and foremost, just, um, you know, going back to earlier where diving all in when me and my sister wanted to play hockey, um, I've always respected that. And then, uh, you know, there's a point where playing travel hockey and my younger brother is playing travel hockey so just the the amount of stuff they had to sacrifice and the amount of weekends they stayed in in hotels on the road um you know i just kind of watched and, and learned from their example um from them and they, they've probably been the biggest influence and then you know my uncle the reason i got into hockey uh, in the first place, he's just kind of always been that, that older brother that I never had being the firstborn. So um, I've always gone to him for for life advice when I need it, um, you know, whether, you know. Um, so those would probably be my biggest influences. Okay. Um, now... Uh couple more things here before we wind her up uh what would the what advice would the andrew health of today give the 17 or 18 year old andrew health uh as far as uh playing hockey it's advice i actually got a little bit after never know who's watching um it may be a practice it may be a game you know it may be a game where you know you're going to get killed uh it may be a game where you know you're going to destroy the other team uh, but you never play every game you know, you know that one game may be that opportunity where or maybe that chance where there is a scout in the stands or where there is a different coach in the stands and, you know, you're losing 5-1 and breaking your stick on the glass and throwing temper tantrums and automatically they just cross you off the list. Mm -hmm. Right? Nope, don't want that guy on my team. Or, you know, vice versa. That Any, any game, someone important could be watching. So approach every game that way. Okay, fair enough. Now, um, the other thing, one last thing here. Uh, we get a lot of folks that listen to this and very fortunate and blessed by that, um, that are, you know, alumni, not only former teammates, but also alumni coaches, uh, folks that played long before you were there, long since you've been there, and uh, the fan base, uh, et cetera. Um, just want to know, what would you like to say to the Toledo Cherokee Nation 
So, if, you know, for me, it's a, it's a thank you. Um, I know we had, we didn't have many fans, but, um, we had our dedicated group of fans, you know, Brandy comes to mind. Um, us and be there with us along the way. And uh, one of my biggest takeaways from Junior was just the people that I met, um, guys like Mo um, and, you know, the guy hosting this podcast, Mick, that I remember to, talking to on the road and um, just guys that helped support me, you know, um, when I was going through kind of an influential portion of my life. Um, so I'd like to say thanks for everybody that's been there around the years, including yourself, Mick. Well, you know what? The pleasure is all mine. Like, I, you know, and the funny part is I, we didn't talk about it much, but, uh, your mom used to work at, uh, uh, the, in the same, uh, building that I used to work at and I would cross her path, uh, for a little while there. And so I would ask about you, uh, you know, cause she, she was a hard working woman, you know, I will say that she really was And, um, I'm just saying, well, she was there. Um, and the thing is, is that, um, I grew to respect her a lot, you know? And so that's why I always wanted to know how you were doing. And, uh, again, you know, back then, you know, again, you were, you know, that was a really good group of guys to talk to and you know but you were probably one of the ones though that i really talked to a lot and you know i I know you know it was influential for you but even though i was considerably older it was still influential for me too because i could see even back then i will say this i i I could see back then that you were going to be all right because you know uh, when you're a good, a good solid kid, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's what you hope for when, whether it's being a, a coach or a uh, part of the organization, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But what you want, you know, yeah, you want, you know, them to go as far as they can in their careers. That's cause that's what they want. That's great. But ultimately for most of us is that our our wish for you is to be a good solid person uh to be a good citizen to be a good husband a good dad uh you know to be able to you know no matter what you end up doing as a career but just to be a good person at 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 the core and that that i you could see a lot of us could see that in you early and you know, again, you could tell it was because of the upbringing of your, from your dad and mom. And I think that really went a long way in helping you navigate through this crazy thing called life. And uh, it, it just, it's, I, I run across a lot of players who played over the years and wonderful people, but sometimes you forget about them just as time, just, that's just life, you know? But you were one of those that I never forgot, you know, never. And, you know, I didn't have to go research or nothing. I mean, and I don't. I try to do all this from memory. But it was always good to know that you were doing 
you know, you had to work your tail off, but you were doing well and you were able to accomplish what you wanted. And number one is to play at the junior level. Number two, to play college hockey. And number three, get a degree and be able to, now you can write your own ticket uh, wherever it takes you. And uh, that's that, you know, like I said, you're one of the, you're one of the good stories. And that's because you, like I said, you've always been a good guy. Um, you know, you've never been a, a get in trouble with the law type guy, you know, unless you're trying to, you know, hide a, you know, the, uh, another side of you that we don't, we'll read about the paper here in a few days, but no, but, uh, but seriously, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I just think it's, you know, it's, that's the reason why is because we've all known that you've been a good guy and yeah, you know, the rest of the people that were in the organization back then, me, doc, um, you know, Bobo, all those guys, Brandy, uh, Mo, uh, just everybody around the rink is what made it so much fun is what made it so enjoyable, you know, and, you know, that's why I was there for 20 seasons. You know, I hung them up a couple of years ago, but you know, the idea that we were able to create an environment that, you know, even though it was considered quote unquote tier three or junior B or whatever the, the, uh, the variations that were of it, of the central states hockey league and then the three HL and now the USPHL, uh, it may, it still made Toledo a great place to play. And that hasn't changed. You know, some of the names have, you know, Mo's son does the play by play now, and he's doing a great job with that. Uh, you got Carrie and Don Manders, uh, Jake's parents who are, uh, are uh, running this team and the organization and are doing a great job and um you know you, i mean doc's still there brandy's still there mo's still there you know so you know the there, there's that core nucleus you know and i i just think that you know it's what makes toledo such a cool uh, a great junior program i mean people generally think of it fondly because of the hard, not only the hard work that all the coaches put in over the years, but also the fact because of the players and the type of players we got to come to play. And that includes uh, that crazy gangly kid that wore number 19, you know? So I tip my hat to you, brother. Well, thank, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Um, it's been good reliving all these memories from that year. Uh, I can honestly say it was one of the best years um, of my life. Just work at a hockey rink in the morning, drive to the rink, playing foosball with the guys, hopping on the ice, you know, either running down the ground, round and back, or driving to super fitness and getting a workout in. Tell me one good story before we go. Tell me one good story, if you remember any. It doesn't have to be on the ice. It could be. It could be off the ice. Uh, just tell me a good story about if, if you remember any. That year, uh, Ian Duncan actually fractured my ankle. Oh. Um, in practice. Uh, we were doing a battle drill in front, and he ripped the slap shot. 
and it hit the outside of my boot right on the right on the bone there and actually fractured it oh my God. um and you know that was at a point where that's about that's probably november um where i had finally established myself on the lineup and um you know had become a little more secure but i was still on on the bubble a bit and so i didn't want to come out of the lineup so um didn't tell anybody about it and i would have j i would have mo tape my ankle as tight as he could oh my god before every practice and every game just so it was a constant little bit of pain instead of like a sharp pain whenever i would turn and take some pain medication and stay in the lineup and then after about a month i just couldn't do it anymore and finally called dunk and sat out two weeks and then it was all right but uh yeah that was mo and mine's little secret just before every practice before every game what did dunk tell you about it as far as when you told him how did he react uh he was just kind of like oh really i didn't even notice but at that point i had already been to the doctor and they confirmed it and then he was like yeah don't worry about it like you're going to be fine just take you know these two weeks off and come back after that and you'll be right back where you were so for me as a player um you know that was before i had scored yet even that year wow. um but for me, that gave me some confidence, just knowing I had the coach's backing, knowing that I had established myself, it was kind of a sigh of relief, like, okay, you know, even if I have a bad game when I come back, you know, I know I'm going to be all right. I know I'm still going to get opportunities to be successful. Wow. Still, though, man, that's that's pretty wild. Uh, well, I asked for it. You get, You came through. Ah, well, uh, I tell you what, it has been fun catching up with you, man. <laughs> Andrew, I hope we stay in touch because eventually when we start getting more back into normal and everything here, the plan is, is just down the road here a little bit and a little bit, we want to have an alumni reunion, you know, <clears throat> probably have an alumni game or two, but mostly just to get a bunch of the guys back together uh, from all the different eras and just go and watch a Cherokee game, uh, you know, and uh, be able to sit in the stands with a couple of cold pops and uh, tell tales and just laugh our butts off silly. And that that's the number one thing I want to do. But I also want, you know, I'm sure there'll be some guys that will want to play an alumni game just to kind of josh around and mess with all their friends and stuff that they played with. But uh, that that is in the, that is in the uh, future here, in the very near future. And I uh, hope we can uh, drag you kicking and screaming all the way from the Queen City to come up here and do that. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> all right. Well, I tell you what, Andrew, thanks for doing this, buddy, and all the best to you and uh, uh, all, all of your future endeavors. And, uh, man, I hope to see you on a bench somewhere uh, closer to home coaching because I think that is something I think you will really excel at.
Uh, thank, thanks for having me, Mick. It was it was great reliving all the old memories, and uh, yeah, hopefully I'm. I have no doubt you'll be just fine behind a bench. But anyway, hey, that was episode 83 here of the Cherokee Rewind. Thank you so much to Andrew Help for joining us. Hey, don't forget, subscribe with whatever platform you use to uh, sub- to listen to these podcasts. And that way, every time a new episode drops, it will notify you that the new episode dropped. So for Andrew, I am Mick saying thanks so much. And we'll talk to you next time on the Cherokee Rewind.